the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back to the conversation. Andy Branner with me tonight. Guest expert on teens. Author of a new book called An Expose on Teen Sex and Dating. What's really going on and how to talk about it. You know, one of the other big uh, shockers here, I think, for a lot of parents is the amount of alcohol and drug abuse going on. Uh, There was a Department of Health and Human Services substance abuse report that came out that found that order over a quarter of teens, 25% have engaged in uh, alcohol abuse under the age of 21, and 17% have gotten engaged in so-called binge drinking. There are folks listening to this program right now, Andy, who have never binged drank in their life, let alone doing it before the age of 18. Yeah, yeah. The uh, those are the old those are the old teenage adages, right? If we can only get them to stop drinking and stop smoking weed and stop having sex, then then everything will be fine. But but what we found is that those are just merely a veneer. All those issues, those classic teenage issues, are just uh, those are the, the surface issues of something deeper going on. And what we find those things to be true out here, we've got a little place called Kivu out in Colorado. We have over a thousand students every summer that come out here to do adventures in Colorado. And, and, and during that time, we get a chance to really live life with students. And so what we find is that most students that are, that are just trying to make their journey through high school are struggling with significance. And, and it might not just be a teen issue. It could be, I mean, it's probably just all of us, right? We all want to feel valuable. We all want to feel significant. We all want to feel like we've got somebody that will listen to us. And, and, and the more that I find kids that are engaged in activities, as you mentioned, the more I find somebody crying out going, who in this world is going to value me? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be with me? And I, and I would say, and I say this every time I get in front of an audience, the number one issue in the teenage world today is not drinking, it's not sex, it's not drugs. The number one issue is loneliness. They're walking through life and they just feel all alone. You know, and the amazing thing to that message is that's kind of the description of the the human condition overall, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, that's it. And I think I find the more that I can, when I bend down to look a student in the eye, and I and I give them the value that they deserve as being human, all of a sudden their eyes light up and they think, oh, "Wow, somebody, somebody cares for me." And if they can do that at home, if a mom and a dad can do the parenting thing in a way that they really invest time in the things that teenagers like to do and they really focus on valuing their students sure there's disciplinary things surely there's correction things surely there are issues where we have to get in and mentor and coach but when i place value in my teenager he longs to be with me he wants to be with people that find him valuable 
And it goes back to the old age old adage that oftentimes the best thing that you can do to sort of inoculate your kids against all that the world has to offer out there is just to spend some time with them. And if you use the excuse, oh, but I'm putting in 60 hour work weeks and earn enough money so we can take the big vacations and live in the bigger house. I'm doing it all for my kids. In the end, you're going to find out that uh, uh, the opposite effect of what you were hoping for it comes to fruition. That's it. And I tell kids, I tell parents a lot, you know, when my kids got to the age where they could they could do Legos and they started stacking Legos, uh, they would sit in the living room for hours just stacking these things and making these different concoctions of Lego buildings and stuff. And I got to tell you, Craig, I hate Legos. I just don't think that way. I have no patience. I don't, I don't, I can't put the six block with the four block with the two block. But it was the times that I sat in the living room and said, you know what? Even though I don't like doing this, I know you love it. And to, to spend time with you, I'm going to do the thing that you like to do. Those were the relationships where, where relationships started being made. That's when they started seeing, hey, dad really cares about us because he wants to spend time doing what we want to do. So I encourage parents all, all the time, you know, if you can find that thing, if it's video games, don't, don't just turn the, the Xbox off. Maybe sit down with your kid and say, hey, teach me how to do this. I'd love to do this with you. And get into their world. And once you get into their world, then these conversations about drinking and drugs and sex and relationships at school and academics and all the different things that they're involved in start just bubbling forth without you even really having to ask any real hard questions. You're not suggesting to try to be a peer or a friend. I mean, you can be a friend to your kids, but you know, your your kids will have plenty of friends in their lifetime. They're only going to have one mother and one father. Sure, sure, yeah. I think the friendship thing is 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 a different term maybe than I want to invest my time where you find time. And and I'm going to show value to you the way that you need to feel valued. And and if we can do that, man, it's I'm telling you, it changes the way parents and teenagers interact together. Let's grab a couple of calls. Here we're going to go to Lori in San Jose. Lori, come on in with your comment or question for my guest tonight, Andy Brenner. Hi. Um, I... Um have taught high school and different age group students and um, I found that uh, you know sex is a big problem as far as you know student student interactions becoming more casual but does your book address um, uh, you know faculty uh, becoming involved in promoting sexuality, like uh, what Governor Brown did uh, and the legislature did as far as um, SB. I think it's SB forty eight. Forty eight, yeah, and you know, and 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 even the bigger equation there, Lori, is the fact that we've seen so much of almost substitute parenting going on in the classroom, and and some of it, I think, to be fair, Andy, a few parents kind of fell on their swords, didn't do their job, and then some, I think, well meaning but over enthusiastic folks at the the educational level said, well, look, if the parents are not going to teach their kids right from wrong, and 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 a sex education will take care of that for them. The problem is, you know, fast forward 40 years after so-called sex education made its way into the classroom, now all of a sudden it's moved from, you know, just good health information to suddenly uh, promoting an agenda. Andy? Right. 
So the book, to speak to your question directly, Lori, the book does not address the public school's responsibility or not responsibility. So I'll speak just off the cuff in, in, in the research that I found. It speaks more to what Craig was talking about. We see administrators all over the country who are standing up saying we need sex education in the classroom, and we find parents that are trying to opt out of those things in, in a way that they say, hey, it's our responsibility, we're going to teach them. Well, let me just give you a little, uh, a little story. We had a guy that was sending his kid out to our place here in Colorado, and he said, are you guys going to teach sexuality out there? And I said, well, yeah, we have a whole course on dating and sexuality as it relates to the Christian worldview, and what, what, is, it, what is God's intention for us in developing a relationship? Well, the man was well-intentioned on the other end of the phone, and he said, he said, well, I'd like my daughter to opt out of that class. And I said, well, that's great, because we don't want to do anything that offends parents. We want to make sure we're locking arms with parents. We want to do what you want to do. I said, could you tell me a little bit, like, why? Why don't you want her in that class? And he said, well, we're going we're gonna to teach her those things at home, and we just want to reserve that conversation. To which I responded, incredible. That's incredible. That's a great idea. Thanks for being good parents. And then I said, if you don't mind, might I ask, how old is your daughter when she's coming out here? I'd just like to know, you know where she's going to fit in, where she's going to play, how we can identify her. He said, well, she's 15 years old. <laughs> to that I said, Brother, I don't mean to step on your toes, but that ship has already sailed. Yeah, you're 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 going to have the conversation. Yeah, well, you should have been thinking about that probably 15, probably you know eight years ago. Our research shows that the average first sexual experience happens at 12 years old. Yep. There you go. And that that is that is the stark reality that I think a lot of parents need to deal with. You know, even as we think about how we were parented, Andy, and wish to apply some of those lessons to how we in turn become parents and parent our own kids, we got to realize this clock is moving faster than any of us realize. It's it's fast, and that that statistic of twelve years old means that fifty percent of them parents are younger than twelve. And so we've got to, if we're going to stand up and take the, the mantle of teaching our kids about sexuality, then we've got to start those conversations, as awkward as they might seem, earlier and earlier. Some good insights. If they want to get copies of the book, Andy, it's available, I would imagine, through your website as well as Amazon.com. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amazon.com, uh, AndyBrainer.com is my website, or you can just flip over to NavPress.com, uh, and you can go down to the teenage section, and it's highlighted there. All right. An expose on teen sex and dating, what's really going on, and how to talk about it. Information again on Andy's website at AndyBrainer, A-N-D-Y-B-R-A-N-E-R.com. Andy, thanks for the time and the insight. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Today on Church of the Week, Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. Diverse body of believers that looks a lot like the Bay Area. In fact, a lot like what heaven will look like. Joining me now is the senior pastor of Faith Fellowship, Pastor Vince Taylor. And Pastor Taylor, wonderful to have you with us. Uh, good morning, Craig, and also the KFAX family. Good morning to you. Great to spend a few moments with you, get a chance to know a bit about your heartbeat for ministry for the Bay Area and the exciting things going on at Faith Fellowship Church. First, want to back up for a moment. I mentioned that you have been involved at a, a couple of capacities with the ministry for 23 years. That's a pretty long run. Tell us, how did all of that come about? And I understand uh, for the benefit of of, um, military folks out there that you spent quite a number of years in the United States Navy. I surely did. 
And one day on a cruise, I was stationed aboard the USS New Jersey. We pulled into port in uh, at uh, what is that? The uh, the harbor there in San Francisco. Hunters Point is what it was. We pulled in there and uh, we did a just a brief uh, time of leave there. And I got a chance to explore the Bay Area for the first time. Believe it or not, Craig, when I rode around with my friends just throughout the city, I said, you know, Lord, I would really like to live here one day. And lo and behold, uh, the next set of military orders that I got was to the Bay Area in 1984. And so so I came here and started attending Faith Fellowship, went to a Bible study, got a chance to meet some very, very good people, people that I know to this very day. I started to work at Faith Fellowship as a youth pastor and uh, just various different things, prayer ministry leader, not knowing that one day God would have in mind that I would serve here first as the senior associate and then the senior pastor. And that happened in 1998 when I came here from Chicago after I retired from the military. And uh, it's been a ride. I was at first the senior associate pastor and now the senior pastor, and I'm loving it. This is not your first involvement in full-time ministry. In fact, I understand that had you been involved in one capacity or another with ministry prior to your naval career? Well, not prior to my Navy career, but while I was in the Navy, actually stationed in Chicago or Great Lakes, Illinois, I planted a church there with the Church of God organization. And that organization in 19... 96. And so I left that church in the hands of a very capable man and moved to the Bay Area after I retired. I mean, the Bay Area is just a beautiful place. How could I resist? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> as, as a lifelong uh, native, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. And, and, and certainly much better winters than Chicago. <laughs> well, so you've been there perhaps? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, Winter indeed. is uh, pretty tough. Yeah, they it, call it the Windy City for a reason. Yeah, that's exactly right. Although there are places in San Francisco that, that can, I think, be competitive when it comes to the wind, <laughs> to to be I sure. Think Mark Twain said the coldest winter he ever spent was in uh, San Francisco. I, I think he did indeed uh, say that, and I think we could all probably uh, concur with that. So when, when God literally brought you out here with the Navy, you had a chance to see the San Francisco Bay area you prayed that prayer did you ever imagine that one day god would actually open up the door for you to call not only the bay area home but to give you an opportunity to serve the bay area and reach bay areans for christ you know i gotta be honest craig i really didn't i couldn't see that far ahead but i could see that god was using my life and that i had um had the opportunity to serve a lot of people, especially in the military as well. And uh, I just had great opportunities. And I knew that ministry was in my future. And God began to open doors. And the good thing about it, when God does it, you don't have to knock doors down. He opens them for you. You know, we often talk about, as we alluded to a moment ago, 
Bay Area has so many wonderful offerings. There's a lot of things to do here. There's a great climate. There's a lot to see. We're probably within an hour and a half, two hours of any sport you'd like, whether you want to go out and do uh, a little bit of, of surfboarding in the Pacific Ocean or want to do some skiing in the mountains. We all have it here. But I would wonder if maybe what really makes the Bay Area special beyond all that it has to offer um, would be the people. And I made reference in my opening remarks today to what seems to be a a unique hallmark of faith fellowship, and that is its diversity. That really and truly, with no pun intended, not only does it very much on a Sunday morning look like the Bay Area, it actually also looks like what heaven is going to look like. How much was the the people of the Bay Area and that sense of diversity very attractive to you when you prayed that prayer, God, someday, if you will, send me to the San Francisco region? I'll tell you, uh, being in the military and aboard ship, I got a chance to travel to a lot of different countries, the Philippines, um, you know, all parts of Europe or various parts of Europe, uh, the uh, South America, uh, just different places, uh, uh, Hong Kong and Japan. So I got a chance to see the world in what I thought was its beauty. The differences, the the food, the culture, the way that people live life. And so I gained a real appreciation for diversity and the fact that God loves people everywhere. And everybody has the same need, and that is they need Jesus. And so coming here, seeing all of these different uh, nationalities in one place, I mean, I think Washington, D.C. is probably the second most diverse place I think I've ever been. But seeing all of the different cultures together, it really blessed my heart. And getting a chance to know people from every background. If if you think about it long enough, you can really appreciate the differences versus find reasons to disagree. If you really think about it, people are just people but they have different backgrounds and a lot to offer. And heaven is going to look just like the Bay Area. And I think it's my job right now to make heaven as diverse as I possibly can. And in that diversity, I'm I'm curious, uh, people from the outside looking at the Bay region might say, well, as diverse as the area is, having a fairly diverse church is probably just sort of a natural occurrence. But I have to wonder, is it really or does part of that sense of diversity as it relates to relating to others, understanding others, understanding not only their life experiences, but their life challenges and being able to uniquely minister to those needs and challenges. Does that happen by accident or is that more deliberate? I think the outreach is very, very important. Um, And the message by which we reach out to people, as I said earlier, everybody needs the same Lord Jesus Christ, but we do actively go after people and focus on Um, making friendships of all kinds, inviting people from every walk of life. In fact, you notice God filled the ark with every kind of animal. And I think that God wants his uh, kingdom to be filled exactly the same way. He made sure that he had everything aboard the ark. And so I believe that 
our efforts and outreach to different people, no matter what. And making our doors wide open for anyone is a major part of why that's so. Is that a key part of the message as well in terms of, you know, our, our, our diversity is something that we celebrate. One of the hallmarks, though, of the Bay Area that, that oftentimes is quite challenging is the the lack of church attendance. In fact, the San Francisco Bay region has some of the lowest per capita church attendance numbers in the nation and some of our emphasis on uh, you know uh, education and things of that sort kind of tends to make the bay area also a bastion for liberalism and 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 diverse religions things of that sort and i have to wonder toward that end as we as we endeavor to introduce people to christ and invite them to come and be a part of the church, be a part of the body of believers. Uh, do we have to strive to give people a sense of being at home, being welcome, because so much of the Bay Region has a tendency towards shunning such things? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you have to make people feel like they're uh, special to God first, and then you have to let them know in the various ways that you reach out to them. For example, being in the manor, uh, we often provide food boxes and different uh, things that are provided for us in the uh, from the city of San Leandro. And we provide food and food baskets. And right now we do COVID testing uh, every Tuesday in our parking lot. And so what that does, and the manor is full of every uh, nationality around, what that does is says everybody has the same basic needs. And when they come to find those, um, you know, those things that they're looking for, we're there waiting for them. We also make it a point when we uh, start our services, we have greeters, people that meet you at the door with a hug with kindness, with encouragement. And no matter what you look like, you probably are made to feel welcome because that is something that we uh, actually charge our leaders with, our greeters, our ushers with making people feel comfortable. So I don't believe it's an accident. I believe it's a it's something that we do on purpose. And people are just people and they appreciate the same things. You care about me. You paid special attention to me. You made sure that I was comfortable, content. And then you brought a message that touched my heart. Your worship was simply amazing, which I think is something we do very well. People just leave with the same feeling is that God loves them and so do we. Our conversation today with Pastor Vince Taylor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro continues in a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Church of the Week. Our special guest today is Pastor Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro. Pastor, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. Um, from a discipleship, from an outreach standpoint, that really is key, isn't it? In the sense that if I want to go and share my faith with another and share with them 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And give them a bit of an understanding scripturally as to what God's plan is for salvation and reconciliation. I guess it would be difficult to convince a person that God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on your behalf if they can't see any evidence of love between us or on the horizontal plane. In other words, if I'm going to convince you that Jesus loves you and God loves you, probably important that I start with in in the tangible world, also demonstrating that I love you too. I, I would wonder if that is even almost a, a, a mandate from from the sense of the love the Lord thy God with all their heart, mind, yeah. body, soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Do you think that's true? I think that's very true. You know, I, um, if you don't mind, I'll share a quick story is that, um, although I live here in the Bay area now and traveled all over the country and parts of the world, I grew up in the South. And, um, one of the things I learned as at an early age, Craig, and this is not one of my proudest moments. It's just my reality. It was a part of my upbringing that I had to learn very quickly that there was something unique about me that was not very much appreciated. And it was something that I couldn't change. And it was the color of my skin. And if you ever feel that, if you've ever felt that in reality, in life, and you knew it was intended to hurt, it will do one of two things to you. It'll make you very angry or it will cause you to have a passion to never make anyone ever feel that same way. And I think that's part of the my story, at least, is that I never want anyone to feel what I felt as a child, realizing there was something about me that was uh, demanding all of this attention, but it wasn't something that was appealing. And I finally figured it out. And I think probably what was most disappointing is there's nothing I can actually do to change it. So I'm going to have to love me for me, but I'm going to have to make sure that I never make anyone feel the way I felt. And so part of my passion, part of my makeup is to express God's love, no matter what a person looks like, no matter where they're from, is to make them know through me in some form or fashion that God loves them and they're valuable and they are dearly loved, especially at Faith Fellowship Church. I appreciate you sharing that because we do tend in our sin nature, in our fallen condition, that is the the, the plight of mankind. Um, we tend to uh, set up classes. We tend to treat certain peoples that maybe don't look like us, act like us, talk like us as second-class citizens. But the reality is in heaven, there are no second-class citizens. I mean, if if anything, scripturally, we understand that the angels are going to kind of be down below us. They might be a little offended, huh? That's exactly right. You know, I mean, I, I I just think it's marvelous when you, when you, when you, the, the spirit quickens to your heart, the fact that, each time someone bends the knee and surrenders their life to Christ, that the angels in heaven rejoice. And God certainly rejoices, too, because he's all about that relationship. And if there's any area that the church sometimes stumbles in, 
when really practically speaking, we shouldn't, because if anybody should understand what reconciliation is and why it's so terribly important, that should be the church. Because after all, we who have received the greatest gift of salvation that reconciles us to the Father, we really need to learn from a practical standpoint, I think, and and you've not said this directly, but you're hinting at it, the notion of demonstrating what the reconciled, restored, renewed life looks like, so that as people say that, see that, they, they get a sense of not just a glimpse of what heaven looks like, but the kind of relationship that God wants with us, intimate, personal, deep, vibrant, living, and, you know, if we can model that kind of relationship amongst one another, I, I, I'm convinced that they would be beating the doors of the church down. We talk about going out into the highways and byways and compelling them to come in. What is more compelling than demonstrating the resurrection power and what true relationship, what true reconciliation looks like? Amen. Craig, that's well said. I mean, that's just, that says it all. I mean, if Jesus would say he would leave the 99 and go after the one, if someone makes you feel like that one, that was so important that the Lord went after you personally, on purpose, um, making someone feel like that one is something that I want to do and I want our people to do always to not to be a part of a group, but an individual that God loves and someone who special attention is paid to. It might feel like it's just to them, but it's actually to everybody. Mm -hmm. That's the goal, no matter what an individual looks like. And when church begins, we begin with welcoming people and having them look around the room and notice the diversity. That's done on purpose to make sure you know that you're worshiping in God's kingdom and what it will really, really look like. That's something we do intentionally. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by the notion of while we were yet sinners, mm-hmm. Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people erroneously think in a methodology of, of works and thinking that somehow if I just think right, live right, act right, I will then therefore become acceptable to God when God says, no, no, no. In the mess that you're in right now, under that set of circumstances, full as you are now, I sent my son to pay the price on your behalf so that in him and through him, you can eventually become that completed work, that new creature in Christ Jesus. And I think, once again, that that notion of people being able to kind of get a glimpse of what heaven will look like in, 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 in everything that it means and sort of modeling that today, boy, if the church can understand how to do that, um, as I alluded to a moment ago, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna see an amazing end times harvest, just as Scripture tells us. But we as the church need to be prepared, don't we? We can, we have to kind of get our act together too. Amen. That's right. Uh, there's an old saying that we all probably use at one time: "Were it not for His grace, where would I be?" And understanding that's exactly what brought you to the Lord, unmerited favor, something you could not earn nor deserve. And why should we try to make others earn it or deserve it? Just humble ourselves before the Lord 
And I mean, Jesus put it best. First, love God with all your being. And then extend that same love to your neighbor. Everything is, the whole law is encompassed in that. If we could do that very well, love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, and soul, knowing where he brought us from, a simple way of putting it, we were all in that dark place, and God brought his marvelous light, Jesus, to to focus, that we could see and realize that darkness is where we came from, but light is where we're going. And now, for what God has done for me, Craig, I, I, I could work a million years and make a million salaries and never even come close to paying the price of that he paid for me. And to think that the Lord loved me that much, I don't know that there are words to express my gratitude. I just can't find them right now. His love is incomprehensible because it is unlimited, unbounding. And, and that is the beauty and joy of what it means to walk in true fellowship with Christ and, and with one another. Of course, at the end of the day, in order to live it, we need to model it. We need to see what that looks like. We need to be mentored, which means we need discipleship. And discipleship always takes us back to the fundamentals of Scripture and the practical application of God's Word in our daily lives. It's not enough just to know it, read it, memorize it. You have to live it out. And And a big part of what happens at Faith Fellowship every Sunday is that proclamation of God's word, that demonstrative living it out so that others can say, wow, whatever it is that you got, I want some of that too. Well, if you've just joined us, our conversation today on Church of the Week with Pastor Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor of Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro. We'll get back to more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Church of the Week. Our special guest today is Pastor Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro. Pastor, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. Somebody's new to the Bay Area. We're looking for a new church home. I've just heard Pastor Vince Taylor on on the radio, and I'd like to go check out that church on uh, the following Sunday morning. Tell us what that experience would be like. Well, first of all, uh, and this is my personal feeling, God started this whole creation with the family. And everything else followed, corporations, governments, and everything else followed the family. So the first thing that I want to make known is that we're a family church. We want to do something for every member of your family, the babies, the the middle-aged kids, the youth, the uh, young adults, the, the parents, the marriage, the parenting, and all of those things. We make it visible and make it known that we want to reach every member of a family. Noah probably wasn't the best evangelist because he didn't win a lot of people, but he sure won his family and got them on board. And so that is one of my heartfelt feelings is that all of us should at least, uh, first of all, do everything we can for our families. So we want to make that something that people see that we're a family church, that we love 
the whole idea of family and we have something for every one of them. That's uh, probably first and foremost, one of the things they see when they come in, we have a youth building, we have a kids building, we have the main sanctuary for the adults. We have various ministries that meet the needs of people and where they're coming from. Um, Let's face it. There are men's issues. There are women issues. And, uh, to have someone to talk to, to go to, is very, very important. And what does God say about my condition? What does God say about where I am? Well, God has an answer. And I want on Sundays for people to walk away with a sense of God demonstrated something for me today. God answered one of my questions. God made me comfortable with certain things. Or God challenged me with certain things today. And that's a part of our approach to bring the full counsel of God's word. And everybody should leave having at least an hors d'oeuvre, perhaps. (laughs) I like that. You know, something I found on your website that it strikes me as a, a wonderful summary of the heartbeat of not just your pulpit ministry, but the heartbeat of Faith Fellowship of San Leander. And that is three words, worship, connect, serve. The idea, first and foremost, we need to have it together on the vertical plane in our relationship with God and his relationship with us. Secondarily, as we've been discussing the horizontal plane, our relationship with each other, that, that's the connecting part. But sometimes churches will just sort of leave it there, not recognizing that as we invite them to come in, there also needs to be a going out. And that means, of course, that that sense of Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, that that serving aspect of it. So is is an experience is the life of the church at Faith Fellowship very much that idea of worshiping and that connectivity with God on the vertical, each other relationally, working together, supporting one another, loving one another on the horizontal, and then that going out and serving in the community, a big part of what the emphasis is? Absolutely. Now, this might sound a little self-serving, but I believe we have one of the best worship leaders in the Bay Area. I mean, she's really good. Yashika McAllister is our leader. We have a choir led by Sister Pam Adams and Giovanni Wyatt. They're actually a mother and daughter team. And what they've done is put together, we put together every week, worship that people can appreciate not perfect but worship that is genuine from the heart and it draws people in now i i also preach but i also play the bass guitar so i serve along with our worship team (laughs) and uh i'm not gonna say how good i am or anything like that i'll just go to the next point (laughs) but we do that together And the whole idea is to bring everybody into that worshipful experience. We need to know God personally. But after that, Craig, as you mentioned before, we want people to know that they have a purpose. They're not merely existing or aimless wanderers. They're people that God intended with a purpose. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's a place for you here at Faith Fellowship. What is your gift? What is your talent? What is it that God has given you that's very special 
and unique to you that we can use it to serve Christ's body. What is that? And so we open the door for that. We want to train people to make sure that they're able to carry out that task. So that's a goal of ours, to equip people to serve. The the last thing that I would ever want to do and have experienced being in a church is to be in a church and having no sense of purpose or no one checking in to see what contribution I can make. And so I like to do that. I extend the opportunity for people to serve in various capacities all the time. Because if you're going to be a part of a church, you really need to be a part of it. And that means active. That means doing your part, as uh, Paul said, doing our part in the body, serving it. And so I want people to know that just because you came in today and sat down and sang a few songs, that's a great beginning. But there's more. There's more. God made you with purpose. What is it? Use that gift or that talent that God gave you. Use it. And it's not small. If God gave it to you, it's of great worth. And certainly at the end of the day, while perhaps not everyone can do one thing, meaning they may not necessarily be as adept at playing the bass guitar or singing or whatever it might be, but everyone can do something. And you're calling your talents, your gifting, unique. Discovering what that is, putting that to work within the community for the sake of the kingdom, uh, not only gives us a sense of, of being and belonging, but a sense of purpose that takes us above and beyond ourselves and ultimately serves one another and serves the Lord. Finally, Pastor, for someone eavesdropping on our conversation today that says, Pastor, you know, I've I've struggled. I've been involved in a church in times past, but I've had a bad experience and I'm I'm just fearful. I, I don't want to be hurt again. People sometimes, you know, the the wounded sometimes, you know, the old adage we, we shoot our own wounded, things of that sort. What would you say to that individual listening to our conversation right now? They've heard your story, your heartbeat. To that person, what would be your message? Well, I think the last place we ever expect to be hurt is at church. Unfortunately, it actually happens. And so teaching, apologizing, repenting, teaching, taking ownership of your actions when you offend, the Bible gives a very clear outline on how to deal with that. Uh, in, In our reality, Every church, as soon as a person walks through the door, it becomes an imperfect church. So we have to understand that something's going to happen. There's going to be a mistake here or something said there. But our ability to heal ourselves in reconciliation and to go to one another, to have an open door policy in a sense. If someone brings a something to my attention I actually try to deal with it personally and from the pulpit and making it very clear that there are some things that are just not going to be tolerated. And that's hurting people. Jesus said it would be better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself over a mountain than to offend one of these, the least of them. And so I take that to heart. 
I don't want people hurt at Faith Fellowship. I want them healed, actually. And so projecting that message in our ministries, projecting that message from the pulpit, I think it helps us greatly in dealing with uh, the challenges that we're just going to face. It's just every church, the best church on the planet still has to have God's reconciliation plan available. God's plan of uh, healing, God's plan of restoring and rebuilding brokenness and relationships and people. And so we have that in place. Uh, First, you go to a brother. Second, take someone else with you. And then finally, if it doesn't resolve itself in those areas, then uh, bring it to me. And my job is to is to deal with it. And I believe in personal responsibility, Craig, people taking ownership, especially if you're going to serve. If you're wrong, admit it. I tell people at times in a different service to look at your neighbor and say, I'm sorry. And then they do that dutifully as I ask. And then I, I say something like this. See, your lips didn't fall off, meaning <laughs> it won't kill you to do that. It just heals wounds. And I think they get it. We are all broken, imperfect people on the road to healing and restoration and um, that that rebuilding of our relationship, not only amongst one another, as we've discussed, but most importantly, that relationship that God wants to have with us. Pastor mm-hmm. Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor at Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. Service times, by the way, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Wednesday evening fellowship and Bible study at 7 p.m. And they meet at 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro, right off the 880 freeway. It's as easy to get to is almost being in your own backyard. You want to get more information about the church, the ministry of Pastor Taylor, you can do so at faith-fellowship.us. Again, that's faith-fellowship.us. And Pastor Vince Taylor, we appreciate so much spending some time with you today. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate it. And I just want to say to everybody out there, Whoever you are, you're welcome at Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church. You are welcome. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.